Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. Now, so now a simulcast on the First TV, firsttv.com, First TV app, DirecTV Channel 347. You can watch the show, record the show, uh, come back to it, not just in your car or wherever. You can watch it wherever. Another opportunity, another uh, place that you can uh, be a part of it too. And it's going to be cool because we put the, the phone number on the screen. So people from the TV show are calling in now. So we're growing the family. It's great. Uh, so we want to play two interviews here. Obviously, we did plenty of monologue today. But here are two interviews because they're both timely and good. Uh, the first is Bob Price about a bit of a showdown that's going down potentially at the border tonight. Not between illegal immigrants and border agents. Heaven forbid. That would never happen. There's no showdown. <laughs> There's no showdown happening there. But a different kind. And of course, Park.com is going to be there because Randy Clark lives in Eagle Pass. So he'll be there tonight and tomorrow to uh, report on it. But what's happening exactly? We'll tell you here. And then we talk with the chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party. He's awesome. And we talk all about this open primary business that like, Democrats vote in the Republican primary on Tuesday. You get all the details on that as well. To uh, Bob Price, who is in Texas, where it is also cold, our senior political news contributor, uh, and also focuses uh, on the border as well. Bob, how you doing, sir? Great. 19 degrees here in East Texas, and we shut the water off to the house. We don't let it drip. Oh, wow. But what about the water? Okay, do you shut it off and then empty the pipes? Yes, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Would you ever leave it? That's, that's a way more conservative move, though. I like that a lot more than leaving a faucet dripping all night. Would you ever do that? Would you ever leave the faucet going? Well, you know, I'd heard that before, and but the problem is the local fire department say, no, don't do that because it drops water pressure in the main systems with everybody dripping all that water, and then they don't have the water pressure to fight any fires that come up. What? So, yeah, it's definitely not a conservative thing to do. Okay, so I've also, I've also never heard that before either. Okay, that's what I mean, because I don't think people even really do this, because I've never heard a fire department be like, listen, there was a house fire, and we just couldn't put it out. Because all yeah, you jabronis. Because we don't have the insulation. You know, we, we have our pipes up in the ceiling above the insulation, and so they're not protected and all that good stuff. So I guess maybe then it could be a southern thing. Because maybe northern houses are protected, so they don't need to run. Maybe that, maybe that could be the case. Uh, alas, these are the things that um, we must get to the bottom of. Uh, and we also got to get to the bottom <laughs> of our border, Mr. Price. Uh, what is Shelby Park? So Shelby Park is a, a city of Eagle Pass Park that's located right along the Rio Grande River across from Pedros Negros in Coahuila, Mexico. And this has become the busiest single crossing point of migrants crossing the border in Texas <clears throat> and, and the second busiest in the United States. You know, Lukeville, Arizona is the other busy hotspot right now. But uh, so Texas has been trying because the Biden administration won't has been trying to secure this border for about two years now. And finally, uh, last week, Governor Abbott ordered the Texas Military Department to go in and fence off the entire park um, and kick the Border Patrol agents out of there because Border Patrol agents have been cutting the Texas-built um, 
border barriers to concertino razor wire, all of this kind of stuff, giving the migrants ladders to climb over the <laughs> the uh, cargo containers that we put in place and all of that. So they've been interfering with our efforts to stop them you know, doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, and now the Biden administration has given them an ultimatum. They have to give the Border Patrol access to Shelby Park by midnight tonight or else. Midnight tonight. Midnight so like tonight. So 18 hours. Morning, the, the, the confrontation where, you know, the, the British soldiers and the American militiamen line up in Concord, Massachusetts, or wherever that was uh, in 1776, and, you know, lining up for another shot heard around the world kind of incident. Wow, we got, we, are you telling me we have, a, we have like an Alamo situation happening? I wouldn't quite say an Alamo situation, but certainly a, a major confrontation between the federal government and the state government. Wow. And you know, in the letter that the um, Department of Homeland Security General Counsel wrote to the Texas Attorney General, they deliberately used a phrase that the state of Texas in, is impeding Border Patrol agents. Well, that's a federal crime. And if if they want to push that, then they can show up with Border Patrol agents and FBI agents and order the Texas to evacuate the area and to um, to let the Border Patrol have access. And if they don't, then theoretically they could try to arrest the Texas National Guard soldiers. Okay. All right. All right. We got to back up a second. So I lost you a little bit at Border Patrol giving ladders to illegal immigrants and cutting the razor wire. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like my brain couldn't compute that. So let's go, actually let's go back a half a step more. So, so you got the border. Okay. So it's like a real border. Is there a wall on the, on the border or is there some, there has to be some demarcation that there is one country versus the other. Is there something there? The, the demarcation there is the Rio Grande river. And so there's currently no physical wall in this particular section of the Rio Grande. And so Texas went in and put in these um, rail car containers stacked up up along there and then put three layers of razor wire along the river's bank to try to keep the migrants from entering. Well, the Border Patrol agents are going in there, um, as they're directed to do from Washington, D.C., and and actually required by federal law to do, uh, they're trying to gain access to where the migrants are on the riverbank and bring them into the country. And so this is the diverse conflict that's going on down there is the federal government is trying to help the illegal aliens get into the United States instead of stopping them like they're supposed to. And the state of Texas is trying to stop them because the federal government won't. Okay. All right. It sounds crazy because it is. Yeah, of course. Why? You, you, you said as an aside that Texas is required by federal law to, to do what? The, the Border Patrol is required by federal law to, um, once those migrants are on, tex- on U.S. soil, which they are technically when they get on the, the uh, northern riverbank, then the uh, Border Patrol is required to bring them in, uh, let them make their asylum claim, and if that means to them, that means if they have to cut the razor wire to do that, uh, then they're going to do that. Now, they're oh, wait, because... under a federal court order not to do that. Okay, wait, wait. So they have to cut the wire because the wire is technically on American soil? Correct. So, oh. yeah, once the migrants 
literally once they get across the halfway mark of the river, they're on U.S. soil or in U.S. water. And when they get up on the riverbank, they're on U.S. soil. And so so that's where the situation so any, is. So, I got it. So any razor wire that Texas puts up, because Texas can only put it up on in Texas, which is America. Right. They're already in America. So the Border Patrol has to help, has to help the illegal immigrants thwart or get up and over around through whatever Texas throws at them to keep them back. Correct. Oh, and under the Biden administration, what that means is they bring them in, they let them make their fake asylum claims, and then they release them into the United States in, in record numbers, as we've seen for the last you know, three years. And so uh, under the Trump administration, it meant something entirely different. They would bring them up on the riverbank, they'd process them, and they'd return them back to Mexico. And, and that's why the migrant apprehension numbers dropped literally down to only 19,000 in the month of May 2020 um, for the entire southwest border. You know, we had 22,000 cross just an Eagle Pass in, in one week in December. All right, sorry, give me those numbers one more time. So in May of 2020, under the Trump administration, under the policies that Trump put in place, only 19,000 migrants were apprehended crossing the entire southwest border. In December of 2023, under the Trump administration, just in Eagle Pass, just in one week, we had 22,000 cross the border there that were apprehended, and most of them released into the country. Wow. And federal law hasn't changed, just enforcement of law. Okay, so it's it's policy. Yeah, so I'm trying to find, trying to find Shelby Park on this map here. By the way, Eagle Pass apparently, I love it whenever Chicago, the mayor of Chicago or the mayor of New York City says we just don't have the resources. They have to stay in Eagle Pass, Texas. Like, like Eagle Pass apparently is the only city in the country that has the resources to take in uh, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants. Like, what is going on with Eagle Pass, Texas? Like, how can that little town? It must just be like Mexico, right? I mean, what's going on there? Well, Eagle Pass is a population of about 30,000. So the whiny baby mayor in Chicago is whining about a few thousand migrants that that, uh, Governor Abbott has bussed up there and sent some on airplanes up there in in about 18 months, 22,000 over 18 months, whereas Eagle Pass got 22,000 in a single week. Uh, Yeah, so whiny baby mayor Brandon uh, Johnson up there is crying about these trickle of migrants that the the, uh, Abbott administration is moving up there, but they don't say a word about the hundreds of thousands of migrants that the Biden administration has released into cities all across the country. Millions, uh, not hundreds of thousands, millions of migrants that they've released into cities all across the country. That's where their problem is. And they need to quit whining about Governor Abbott, uh, calling him cruel and unusual. what's, What's cruel is the policies of the Biden administration that are creating this chaos along the border. And it's a deliberate policy. Let me give you a question about cruel. I'll put you on the spot here, Bob Price, Breitbart.com. The mayor of Denver was on uh, something the other day, Face the Nation or something. And uh, he said it's cruel to send these, these undocumented citizens, Bob, to Denver in the cold when they don't know what it's like to be cold. And you're sending them there with shorts and a T-shirt, and it's below zero, Bob. It's cruel to send them there unprepared without giving advanced warning and notice to the authorities in Denver to keep them safe and warm. 
So here again, you have another whiny baby mayor up there in, in Denver. Right now it's 23 degrees in Eagle Pass. So is it less cruel that the Biden administration wants to just camp them out on the ground? It's 19 in Denver, Bob. So that's a it's four <laughs> degrees. Four degrees. Denver. Okay. So, you know, that here again, they're, they're, they're arguing emotion and not facts. What's cruel is, is the policies of the Biden administration that have encouraged migrants from all over the world, 150 different nations last year, uh, to come to the United States and illegally cross the border, make fake asylum claims when they're really economic migrants. They're not fleeing persecution in large part. Maybe some of them are, but probably 80 to 90 percent statistics show that you know, about 80 to 90 percent of the migrants don't show up for their court hearings when they eventually get them. And of those, about 90 percent of those, their, their asylum claims are determined not to be true. Of and uh, so it's all BS, pardon the French, and, and um, deliberate policies of the Biden administration to encourage these migrants to come here. All right. So I'm looking at Shelby Park. I got a, uh, got a Google aerial view of Shelby Park in Eagle Pass. So it's uh, like a parking lot, like maybe two parking lots, and then a baseball field, and then a, like a park. So I'm guessing eh, maybe maybe you could fit like eight baseball fields in this in this. Uh, yeah, this it's area. about 50 acres. There, there's a boat ramp there that the Border Patrol uses to launch their boats down onto the river, okay. um, and and that's where part of the contention is here. Is is a, a group of three migrants drowned the other night, and uh, Texas wouldn't let the Border Patrol agents through the gate. Well, the migrants had already drowned before the Border Patrol agents ever got to the gate. Uh, so the point was moot. And, and so, but the, that's the excuse that the Biden administration is using now. Never mind the hundreds of migrants that have drowned in the last two years in that exact same place. Mm. So uh, I understand. What's the, what's the, the point Biden of this part? Why does the Biden administration... The Border Patrol had... Sorry, I didn't rob. I'm sorry. Why does the Biden administration want this park so badly? Well, because that's where they, they store these migrants when they cross the border in massive numbers. They create these outdoor storage places under the bridge uh, so they can keep them there. And that's where they want access to be able to get the migrants and then release them to the uh, Border Help Mission, which is the NGO in, in the area, which then releases them on into the interior of the United States. What is Texas um, doing with them there? What's their plan? So Texas uh, right now... The numbers are very low because uh, they dropped off precipitously after Mayorkas went down there and begged and pleaded and bribed uh, Mexico with with uh, funds to Venezuela and to Cuba. And um, so Mexico has stopped some of the um, trains coming up to the, the border, which has dropped the numbers dramatically in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so right now there's not a lot of them to deal with, but the ones that are crossing into there, Texas is the single adults. Texas is arresting them for trespassing and, and putting them into jails. Uh, the family units, which is a good number of them are being turned over to border patrol agents outside the park area. And, and some of the migrants now have shifted. They're not crossing there into the park because of the heavy military presence there. They're moving to other places along the Rio Grande and the Eagle Pass area. Wow. All right. So we'll see tonight what the Biden administration does, like how hard they, they push and, and how hard Texas will stand their ground. Um, you wrote a yeah, report. I think the confrontation will come tomorrow morning. And, you know, Randy Clark, our, our um, 
retired border patrol agent that works for Breitbart who lives in Eagle Pass is is planning on being down there tomorrow morning to watch any kind of confrontation that might develop. Uh, wonderful. Of course, Breitbart.com. Uh, tell me about the uh, Chinese folk who are uh, joining us at our border. Record, again, another record of the Biden administration. Uh, there's been more Chinese migrants in the last couple months than there have been in you know the last eight or nine, ten years total history. We average about... Uh, you know, 800 to 1,000 a year over the last 15 years of Border Patrol records. Now we're getting, you know, two to three to 4,000 a month. And uh, most of them are single adult males, military age males who are paying up to $50,000 to the cartels to be smuggled into the United States. Well, you have to ask yourself, where does a 25 to 35 year old single adult male from China come up with $50,000? to be smuggled into the United States. Uh, you know, I don't think they're making that kind of money in China. And if they were, why would they want to leave? So, you know, because if they're making that kind of money, they're, they're part of the elite there, there in China, uh, incredible numbers. And it's all across the Southwest border right now. The big focus of them are crossing in the San Diego sector. Previously, we had large numbers of them crossing in the Rio Grande Valley sector and the El Paso sectors. So, um, they're kind of moving around. I wonder what the smuggling the route is. wants to bring them across. What's the smuggling route? Do you know? Uh, they they fly into uh, Mexico City on on visas and then get bussed up there. Some of them fly into South America and come through the the Darien Pass. It depends on you know how much you're paying and 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 how connected you are as to whether you get first class treatment or you're riding coach. Amazing. Um, so we kicked off the show today talking about the two Navy SEALs who are still, I suppose, registered as missing, even though they've been missing since Friday. They were involved in an operation off the coast of Somalia. There was a boat with uh, Iranian-made missile components making its way to Somalia, which were then going to make its way to the Houthis in Yemen, which uh, Breitbart.com has reported extensively, uh, is an entirely made-up problem made up in the sense of Joe Biden caused it by taking the Houthis off the terror list and none of this needed to be a thing and those Navy SEALs didn't need to be in that situation to begin with uh, I feel similarly with an article you wrote the other day about a, uh, a Texas uh, DPS helicopter that crashed uh, what, what is what is this Texas Department of Safety helicopter what were they doing so the, the Texas DPS helicopter crew was providing air cover to what we call brush operations. These are DPS troopers who, and special agents who are working the ranch lands 50 to 70 miles inland from the border trying to find migrants who are being smuggled through the ranches uh, on an everyday basis to circumvent the interior border patrol checkpoints. And uh, this helicopter apparently developed some type of mechanical malfunction and fortunately it the pilot was a very experienced pilot the dps tells me uh, used the auto rotation capabilities of, of the aircraft and you know crash landed and you know it certainly doesn't look like it was a pleasant experience but um, they they managed to force land the aircraft without sustaining any major injuries uh, which is a, a far better situation than these navy seals unfortunately it, it appears but, you know, here again, it's the same thing that our forces, whether they're local law enforcement, state law enforcement, or our federal military officials, 
are being put in harm's way because of feckless policies, intentional policies of the Biden administration. This whole Israeli war situation is a direct result of Biden administration policies with Iran and all the increased funding they've gotten because of not having uh, the sanctions being enforced against oil uh, being exported out of Iran. And so here again, once again, our people are being put in harm's way because of Biden's policies. You can see the picture of that helicopter and all this reporting on Breitbart.com and also on the TV show right now. The first TV, we got pictures of that helicopter. And you can see it if you're watching us on the, uh, the first right now. Bob Price, senior political news contributor, uh, Breitbart, Texas. Bob, keep up the wonderful work, sir. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Yes, sir. Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. Here is our chat. Last week we talked with the Iowa Republican chairman. It was great. Let's just get the inside and the ins and outs and how things work, uh, especially with a caucus last week. But this is a primary, so we understand how primaries work. But what about the openness that Democrats can vote in the Republican primary? Sabotage the whole thing? How's that work exactly? Here's the chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party. Chris Ager is the New Hampshire Republican chairman. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Every time we talk to anyone from New Hampshire, I just have to comment. I just want everyone to know that the state motto of New Hampshire is live free or die. Come on, Chris. That's awesome. Oh, you got to love it. But do people believe it, Chris? That's the question. It's one thing to say. It's one thing to have it on your license plates. But is it deep to the bones of the people of New Hampshire? Uh, It is. And, you know, we, we like to take care of our own business and let other people take care of their business. And, you know, we have a libertarian streak here in the state that's very strong. And, you know, the politicians have to respect that. And so, you know, we try to have limited government, local control, low taxes, let people take care of their own business, personal responsibility and freedom. That's what New Hampshire is all about. I was looking the other day at uh, states that don't have an income tax. And New Hampshire is one of those states, no income tax. But then I was like, okay, well, if, if you're a state that doesn't have an income tax, you probably have a pretty high sales tax. So then I was looking at all the states that have, uh, some states have no sales tax. So I was looking at the states that have high sales taxes, the states that have no sales taxes. And then I saw that New Hampshire has no sales tax. So I was like, oh, wait a second, I must have read that wrong. So you must have an income tax. You don't have either? Uh, that's correct. You know, How we have that, some, like, a and meals tax. You know, if you eat out or you stay at a hotel, there's a small tax. But um, it's a very low tax state as far as broad-based taxes, and that helps keep the government under control. Our state legislators, we have 400 uh, state representatives. Each one represents about 3,000 people. So the government's very close to the people, and they make $100 a year. (laughs) What are you talking about? How many state reps are there? There are 400. 400? Hold right. on, the population of New Hampshire. What's the population of New Hampshire? Wow. So say, I used to live in San Diego County, and San Diego County has a population of 3 million, and we have five county supervisors. So we had five yep. for like two and a half times as many people, and you have 400 for 1.3 right. million people. Wow. Wow. Is that yeah. too much? No, no. The government's close to the people. 
And since they're not paid much, you know, it, it's people don't run for these jobs to enrich themselves. It's not like Congress where you get elected, you know, and you've just cast your ticket for the future here. You really have citizen volunteer legislators, kind of like the founders envisioned. And these people go up there because they want to help the state um, and they want to help their fellow citizens. They make $100. They do get a, a cool um, license plate for their cars, and that's about it. Yeah, but I like that. It's a great good. bunch of people. Our founders would have wanted that, problem, too. You, if you have a problem, you know who to call. It's like your neighbor. Whoa. Is it like amateur hour, though? Uh, no, it's – I mean, look at the professional politicians we have in D.C., <laughs> and then I'll look at the retiree who makes $100 in New Hampshire. I would trade Washington – I would trade Congress for our legislator. Wow, that is amazing. Sorry, I'm just blown away by that. Okay. Uh, now, we had someone call the other day from New Hampshire – that said, it's a it's a rhino herd up here, Chris. It's a rhino herd with all, in particular, all the I never heard that. I thought it was good, uh, especially considering all the the Bostonians who are moving up there and ruining everything. All right, so let me give you some facts because a lot of people, you know, everybody has an opinion, and all of them are wrong except for yours, right? <laughs> so, um, we did some analysis. More people from Massachusetts moving into New Hampshire. There were more Republicans than Democrats because they were fleeing the high taxes of Massachusetts. They were coming right over the border in our border town so they could still visit their family, their grandkids. And there were a lot of them were older. So they're like retirees who are like, why are they taxing my retirement income? I could live across the border, a freer state, better economy, lower crime, guns, uh, cheaper housing, and I can still visit my family. So more people from Massachusetts moving north over the border there were more Republicans than Democrats in 2022. So it was, it was about, do you think it was about the New Hampshire electoral makeup probably is what moved into New Hampshire? Um, so the people, it was really interesting. People from Massachusetts, there were more Republicans than Democrats. People from Connecticut and New York, far more Democrats than Republicans. Ah, and, and so it, it, it kind of, you know, they yes. were moving up. You know, if I can kind of stereotype, yeah, yeah. they're the rich country club, rich people looking for that bucolic farm up in New England, and they don't care about taxes. You know, they're, they're still living in New York or Connecticut most of the time, but they have their kind of home up here. And then they register to vote up here because they spend half the time. And so it, it, it seemed like the rich people coming up who didn't care about keeping low taxes were Democrats from New York and Connecticut, but, but the mass people coming across the border yes. were fleeing, fleeing the high taxes. Ah, that's very interesting. Very generality, interesting. you know. Okay. For, no, that's of course, but also uh, bucolic. Chris. Yeah. What a word. A big word, I know. But, uh, <laughs> it's great. That's fantastic. Bucolic. Love it. All right. Well, listen, yeah, I want to I mean, keep... Good. I just I want to keep New Hampshire live free or die. Like I feel I I've been oh, yeah. saying the last couple of days like my my dad was born there and I went there once. I went to Lake Winnipesaukee. We scattered his ashes there. And I was like this place is awesome and I have enough connection here where I will fight for New Hampshire. Uh and and I I feel like yeah. like very like irrationally connected to New Hampshire, but uh but I'm I'm here for it. So yeah, well, the, the Cato Institute uh rated New Hampshire the freest state in the country. And, you know, we want to keep it that way. And we welcome everybody to come in. It's just when you come in, remember why you're coming, and let's keep it that way. Yeah, no, they don't. It's a problem. 
All right, here's my, my big question, then we'll talk about Tuesday in general. Um, talk to me about the, the, the when you can register and change your party affiliation and like this open primary thing I keep hearing about. What are the rules? Okay, so the rules are uh, the Secretary of State sets a date prior to filing period where it's like a week before the candidates file. That's the last time you can change from Democrat or Republican. You know, it's the last time you can change your party affiliation. So that's prior to um, candidate filing. However, 30% of our electorate is Democrat, 30% Republican, 40% undeclared. Undeclared voters can show up on primary day or election day, I'm sorry, primary day, and decide which ballot they would like to take. So essentially, if you're undeclared, that 40% can show up at the polls and go, you know, today I want to declare Republican. I'll take a Republican ballot and vote, and then I can switch back to undeclared. Um, so that's that's kind of how we do it here. It's been like that for about I think 40 years, and it seems to work pretty well for the state. Interesting. If you're a Democrat and you show up uh, and say, "Well, I want to take a Republican ballot," you can't. So it's unlike Iowa where. You could show up at the caucus as a Democrat and say, well, now I want to be a Republican in caucus. Uh, We don't do that. Only the undeclared group can decide which ballot to take. You don't do it, but you 40 percent do it. Forty percent are undeclared and have the option. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I'm sure I get this right. I'm sure I get this right because everyone's going to be talking about it and no one's going to know the truth. But we're talking to the guy. We're talking to the New Hampshire Republican chairman, Chris Ager. So. Uh, did I read right that if you're a Republican or a Democrat and you want to switch, you have to do that by October 8th of last year? Something like that? Um, yeah. Yep. It was and a while filing, ago. The point. Yeah, filing for the candidates was October 27th. So it's okay. generally like a week before the filing period opens. Okay. I think it was 14th to the uh, 27th. Got so. it. Okay, so it was, it was a while ago. Sounds right. So if you wanted yep. to switch. But what if what if you – okay, if, let's say you were – let's say you've been a Republican for five years. And mm-hmm. now you want to be undeclared. Would you have had to have done that by October of last year too? Correct. Okay. If, but if you've been undeclared all this time, then you can go and, on, and next Tuesday, a week from, what is it, Wednesday? So a week from yesterday, and you can, you can switch. Okay, interesting. Uh, or you can do whichever Correct. one. Huh. 40%. Why would someone be a registered, why would you choose to be a registered Republican then? Um, so for one uh, reason is to be part of the Republican state committee um, or infrastructure where we set the rules of the party and we actually um, you're actually active. You really you have to be a Republican to do that. So if you're an activist, if you want to be involved with the party, if you want to help candidates um, and really get involved, then you have to be a Republican. Um, okay. The undeclared the advantage to being an undeclared um, is. You know, we we looked at closing our primary to Republicans only, you know, just say, hey, undeclared, you can't have our take our primary ballot. And what we found was if we did that and the Democrats allowed undeclareds to take their ballot, what would happen over time via the surveys that we did, uh, independent companies did surveys for us, 57 percent of the undeclared voters said they would be more likely to vote in a general election for a party that was more open and welcoming and allowed them to have a uh, mm. vote in their primary. Yeah, so it would kind of be a suicide pact if you did it unilaterally. If both parties did it, 
you know, it might make a lot of sense because, hey, this Republicans represent Republicans, Democrats represent Democrats, and let them pick their candidates. But if one sure. party did it unilaterally, it'd be like a death sentence. You'd be the permanent minority, according to the polls that we saw. Yeah, that and makes so, sense. Well, I, and, I wish that weren't so, but yeah, if it is yeah. so, then yeah, you can't you can't be doing that. Yeah, and the other thing we did is uh, we talked to we we have anecdotal information talking to individuals, police officers in Concord, New Hampshire, where the state house is. There, they said, hey, we like to uh, be registered undeclared because we pull over one of our 400 state representatives, give them a ticket, and they're of the other party. You know, we're in court. You know, is you know why did you you know give a ticket? to somebody from the other party. So the police officers said, and they vote Republican, these guys, all the time. They said, hey, we'd like to be registered undeclared. Teachers teachers um, are under the gun to be Democrats big time. And so there are wow. teachers who tell us, hey, I registered undeclared. I always vote Republican. I always take a Republican ballot. I'm a hardcore Republican. I just don't want the hassle of teachers in union in my yeah. workplace. And then we have okay, small business fair. owners who say, hey, I don't want to lose business because somebody looks at, hey, this is a Republican, it's a Democrat place. I just serve everybody. I'm a business owner. I love Republicans. I vote Republican. I help Republicans. I just need to stay undeclared so I don't get harassed. It's unfortunate okay. that that happens, but it does happen. Okay. John Chris Ager, the uh, chairman of the, the New Hampshire Republican Party, uh, because it's open, uh, do you have you heard or do you sense sabotage going to occur on Tuesday? I don't think so. Um, the Democrats... You know, they have a reason to want to be concerned about their primary. Joe Biden has a write-in campaign. He's ignored the state. Um, you know, he's kind of he's doing his basement campaign all over again in New Hampshire. And so they're concerned that, you know, Dean Phillips could actually do well against a write-in for Biden. So the hardcore Democrats are really worried about their ballot. And so the mischief of hardcore Democrats, I don't see that happening. Um, we do have more interest on the Republican side. So some of those undeclared who could end up voting for the Republican nominee in November, we want them to vote in the Republican primary so that they can um, get involved with our party. And then they look at the candidates and they assess them, uh, and they're more likely to vote for them in November as well. So it also gives a better look at what the state is all about. Most of our people here are kind of in the middle of the political spectrum. You know, we're not a, a, a hardcore right or left state. We are very, very much in the middle. Um, yeah. Our state house, 198 Republicans, 195 Democrats. Oh, wow. We have four special elections and a, and a handful of independents. Uh, so we are a very, very uh, closely divided state as far as uh, Democrats. Yeah, so and leaving it open kind of makes sense. Um, real quick, because I, I have more questions about Republicans, but uh, what's going on with the Democrats? Because my understanding is that Biden took, because he got fourth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire and then first in South Carolina, that Biden took Iowa and New Hampshire off the calendar from the beginning and made South Carolina the first primary. So what's going on with that's, the Democrats on Tuesday? Uh, that's correct. So Biden, uh, he, Biden twisted the arm of the Democratic National Committee, the, their rules committee. And they put South Carolina first. But our state law requires us to go first. So we just leapfrogged ahead. We normally would have had this primary in February, but we had to move forward to get ahead of, um, of the Democrats in South Carolina per our, our state law. So Joe Biden will not be on the ballot. However, Dean Phillips, a congressman from Minnesota, 
will be on the ballot, along with Marianne Williamson and a few other folks. Wow. Uh, 20, 21, to be exact, are on our ballot. Uh, for the Whoa. Okay, so Dean Phillips, who I've never heard of, he yeah. he could win the New Hampshire Democratic primary on Tuesday. Uh, he could. He could. And the Democrats are mounting a write-in campaign for the guy who doesn't want their vote. So to me, that's like <laughs> political Stockholm syndrome. It's like, oh, that's great. On, really? The guy doesn't want your vote. Why are you going to go write him in? Oh, what a mess. Uh, and good, good for them. Um, all right. So why? And I'm, I'm really looking for you to badmouth Iowa here. I just want you to destroy Iowa. What makes you <laughs> culturally different than the fine people of Iowa? So I love the people in Iowa. They have a great, you know, interesting caucus. Iowa's got more than double the number of people we have in New Hampshire. But in our primary, we will vote. We will have more than twice as many people vote in our primary. Hmm. So we represent the people by a margin of more than four to one on the total percentage of the voting population. We will vote by a four to one margin more than Iowa. So we'll represent our people much, much more than Iowa does. Iowa, um, you know, it's the hardcore activists that show up at a caucus on one night, which is great. I think it's a great tradition. But it really doesn't represent uh, the people of Iowa as much as the hardcore activists. In the last three presidential primary elections on the Republican side, Iowa picked uh, Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum, and Ted Cruz. None of them became the candidate. In New Hampshire, we picked John McCain, Mitt Romney, and, and Donald Trump. All three became the presidential candidate yeah, on the Republican side. So, what? you know, we have a better view of, uh, you know, we have a better track record. Yeah. Uh, I, only, I, only got, is, I only got two minutes, Chris. Scott, and I want to talk about this forever. I hate that oh, okay. it's in two minutes. But um, yeah. why? what issues are different where the candidates campaign differently in your 10 counties than their 99 counties? Yeah, so first, we don't have any any local issues that, that we're trying to curry favor for. We don't have um, ethanol subsidies that we push people on. We don't, we don't have an issue. We look at the national perspective. You know, we're looking at who can be the best president for the country. So we don't have those, those siloed, small, you know, issues that, that are unique to New Hampshire. We, we look at big issues uh, here. And our, our population is involved. We have kids in high school and middle school who do essays on the First of the Nation primary. We've got 10-year-olds showing up to town halls asking questions. It's embedded in our DNA. It's our, it's our state sport, and we love it. Very good. Chris Ager, the GOP chairman of the bucolic state of New Hampshire. Chris, great to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Good, good luck. Next. Live free or die. Is that a th- do you New Hampshireites, like, uh, do you guys like say that as like a goodbye? It's like you're aloha. Live free or die. It's like a have a good day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you pass the ketchup? Live for your die. Live for- of course. <laughs> I would. I would. If I moved in there, I'd be the guy. I'd just be live for your die nonstop all the time. Chris, <laughs> great to talk to you, bro. It'd be like, like, live, like be, what is, what's the Star Trek? Be like, prosper. Live free and prosper. I'm just, I'm, I constantly have to live for your die. Hey, live for your die. Good morning. Live for your die. I can't believe it's, it's tomorrow Thursday. Yeah, with all the snow in Nashville. Snow days, or the contagious. I don't even, I don't even know what days. Tomorrow's Thursday, which means Dr. Sebastian Gorka uh, is, is with us. Who is, it's always a treat and a pleasure. That's tomorrow's show. Hope you can join us not only on SiriusXM Patriot, but now also on the First TV. Go to thefirsttv.com.